0: you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
1: This episode is sponsored by R.W. Knutsen Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice, a welcome addition to anyone's sleep routine. Pace Case, if you know me, and you do,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know that I'm yeah. working all hours of the day, all hours of the night. Mm-hmm. So the sleep that I do get has to be very good sleep. And I'm always looking for ways to up my sleep routine. Sometimes I'll read a book to go to sleep. Sometimes mm-hmm. that I'll- That Bachelor? Uh, that book keeps me very awake. It's very engaging. That never puts me to sleep. Mm. I will sometimes just put down my cell phone after a long day of looking at a screen. It's nice to get some time away from the screen. I also will incorporate some R.W. Knudsen Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice. It truly makes you go to sleep a little easier. It's the thing you need to help you drift off into the dreamland.
0: Mm. As more and more people are looking to prioritize sleep, Organic Just Tart Cherry is having a moment thanks to Tart Cherry's potential sleep-related benefits and potential to aid in muscle recovery when you get those gains-like clues. We're seeing this in the viral sleepy girl mocktail trend on social media. R.W. Knutsen has a whole lineup of natural juices with zero added sugar, so you can feel good about adding them to your wellness routine. It's all about celebrating those daily wins. Organic Just Tart Cherry Juice is made from tart cherries, which may help you get a better night's sleep because they have natural melatonin.
1: R.W. Knutsen crushes only 100% real ingredients so you can crush everything you do. Pick up a bottle at your local grocery store today.
0: Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the, the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. You got ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc., You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and (laughs) my, um, (laughs) which is not what this uh, ad is about. But I am also wearing the super soft, sustainable modal fabric thong with no roll black waistband. You want that. You don't want it to be rolling. You don't want it to be showing. And I'm hooked. I don't want to wear anything else. It's all got to go now.
1: Well, this ad actually is kind of about that Pace case. Everybody knows MeUndies <laughs> makes great underwear. It's in the name, me MeUndies. From the outside in. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome Welcome to the Game of Roses. This is is the Game of Roses. roses. Welcome to the the Game game of of Roses.
0: Welcome to the new Game of Roses. This is Pace Case.
1: This is the new Bachelor Clues. We are continuing Gore Girl Summer today. And I just want to say that I think we all have these moments in our lives where, you know, we have an idea of what the future might hold. We have hopes and dreams and goals and things we want to achieve.
0: Bucket lists.
1: Bucket lists. But you never think some of these things are really going to happen. And then they do. (laughs) These magical moments where somehow something so incredible happens to you that you can't even believe it's real, that is the interview we have for you today.
0: I still can't believe it's real.
1: I, I can't either.
0: <laughs> it's, you know, it was a dream of ours, and it has come true. That's what my senses are telling me has actually happened, but I'm not positive. it might be a simulation
1: the pit provides as we always say yeah it could be a simulation and this is some proof that we have control over it but we hope you guys enjoy this interview because we certainly did this is to me Mm -hmm. one of the best things we have ever done in service of our fandom of our beloved game and i i sincerely hope that everyone out there yes has as much fun as we did with it Welcome to the pit. Today, a dream comes true for us down here in the pit as we are joined by a living legend. Someone who redefined what was possible in the game and helped alter the trajectory of The Bachelor forever after decimating the competition with her visionary style of play in the pre-Instagram era. She's the author of I Didn't Come Here to Make Friends, Confessions of a Reality Show Villain from 2014. She's the ring winner of Bachelor season 16. Please welcome to the pit, someone who is firmly cemented in any conversation about who is the greatest player of all time, Courtney Robertson.
0: Hello, party people. (laughs) Hello, Courtney. (laughs)
1: This is truly an honor for us. You have no idea.
0: Thank you so much for doing this. We are probably the most excited we've been about any interview we've done so far. You are a
1: legend in our eyes. Oh my God.
2: God. That's that's the nicest thing I've heard all month.
0: Thank you for having me. I've got my villain necklace on to commemorate. I
2: have one of those. Ooh, I should have worn mine. I didn't get the memo. And I got your book. I wanted to say thank you for sending this to me. It's amazing. It's classic.
1: Oh, thanks for reading it. I, we were yeah. very curious to know what you might think about some of the uh, strategy and play styles and stuff that we have in there.
2: I think it's brilliant. I think I needed you guys before I went on my season.
0: What the heck? Where were you? No, you did not. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. I don't think you needed too much help at all.
0: I, I feel like I'm in a living dream, like watching you hold our book right now. But... Courtney, here's something that we do at the beginning of all of our Welcome to the Pit episodes. You have 47.1K Instagram followers. Do you have any idea where you are on the leaderboard of all time?
2: That is like so weak sauce, I think. Um, I think I'm probably not on any board. I think (laughs) I'm, I'm pretty low on the totem pole, actually. So, but um, I guess for me, pre Instagram, maybe that's not so bad for being an OG.
0: Yeah, it's actually not weak sauce. It is number one ninety four of all time. That's out of over a thousand people. You're between Jacqueline Trumbull from season twenty two of The Bachelor and Diggy Moreland from season thirteen of The Bachelorette. Great company. So that's good. So I'm doing something. My algorithm's working.
1: Yeah, that's right. You've
0: transcended the pre-Instagram era. I think that's what that means.
1: (laughs) Yeah, which is a hard thing to do. Not many players are capable of that. Uh, We want to do something that we kind of do with everybody that we talk to who comes on the show. Get some background on your relationship to media before you came into the show. So what did you watch growing up?
2: You know what? I was a child in the 80s uh, Dawson's Creek, Saved by the bell, biggest <sighs> crush on Zach Morris. Um let's see, obviously all the-
0: I love Dawson's Creek. Oh,
2: <laughs> too. I had such a crush on was it Pacey?
0: Yes. And I was actually the only option, <laughs> not <Dawson. laughs>
1: How dare you?
2: you no, know, I was in an elevator with him and his previous ex girlfriend once and I was like, oh, I was dying. But um <laughs> And then, um, yeah, so I've, I've admittedly been like a couch potato. Like we would, my mom exposed us to like Jaws. We'd do like movie days and you know, um, all the scary movies. We did like Cujo.
1: Um, wow.
2: yeah, but pretty much we watched a lot of movies and TV. Uh, the first movie I ever saw was ET. So that just might date me.
1: <laughs> Interesting. ET was great. A
0: classic.
1: <laughs> and what was the first season of bachelor that you ever saw?
2: You know, I think Jillian Harris, probably. I probably watched the most of hers. Um, My sister was a big fan. They used to do viewing parties. So I would kind of dip in and out so I could kind of riff with her on things, just so I kind of knew enough to kind of hang with the
1: girls. But you clearly knew the game, like when you went into it. Was that just from watching the show? I mean, it had to have been, right?
2: You know, honestly, I didn't really watch that much. I know that sounds so cliche, and a lot of people say that I wish I would have. I kind of just went in blind um yeah i did i don't
0: wait you had had you seen ashley's season ashley hubert yes
2: so i did see that's why i went on because i saw ben i mean i literally told producers like if it's not him i'm not coming because it could have been like ryan Mm -hmm. that guy and he looked a little bit too short for me and i just wasn't um so that's kind of why i signed up i honestly looking back i was so naive to the whole thing But I didn't really go in with the game plan. It just kind of unfolded as I did it.
1: That's unbelievable. So it was just natural talent. (laughs) I mean, every once in a while in other professional sports, you see something like this, like a LeBron James or somebody who comes out of high school. (laughs) No, not beginner's luck, like innate talent that no one else has, like a one in a million kind of, I can play this game from birth. And that to me at least, is what it sounds like you're talking about.
2: Oh my gosh. Well, you know what? I'd like to think so. I didn't have a strategy. A lot of people thought I did. And that's nice. That's that's really a nice compliment.
0: (laughs) You know, it's actually what we call like the fundamental rule of the game for TRR for the right reasons. Going on only for Ben is very for TRR.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was. I was. And I know people didn't believe me and they're like, oh, she's like, you know this model and maybe she's trying to be an actress and i really i was like you know i had one of my celebrity crushes is um adam driver Mm. and you know from girls you know him and he looks kind of like i saw him and i was like oh yeah i think him and i could hit it off and there was an arizona connection so
1: and what was your relationship to social media When you went on the show, like, did you have any kind of social media accounts or anything?
2: So, um, before I started modeling, I did graphic design. So I always liked the creative aspect of social media. Um, I had Facebook, I was on and off Facebook. So I just, I would go on and then I'd delete it. I'm one of those people with social media. Like I love hate for sure. Um, but I actually had Instagram for the creative element while the show was airing. It had just become a thing and nobody oh, wow. knew it. So like the producers at the time didn't even know of Instagram. And if you go back or I can send it to you, I was posting pictures at our happy couple, <laughs> um, like of our meals. And like, you could see like his foot in it and stuff like that. But I had like no followers. It was just for like the art, artsiness of it.
1: And so obviously the producers hadn't locked you down yet. They weren't like in control of what you were doing on social media yet.
2: So we weren't allowed to have Facebook. They made us delete that. We weren't allowed to have Twitter. Um, and so I got Twitter after the show and Alon Gale really kind of helped coach. He kind of helps coach a lot of people with social media because look at what he's done.
0: Um, I remember, what did he tell you to do with social media? You
2: know what Uh, I remember? I was like, I need help writing my bio. And I remember even him visiting me and Ben on the happy couple weekend. And he was like, Ben was like tweeting and he's like, dude, you just gotta like send stuff out. And like he was kind of even coaching him. He's done that for a lot of people. Um, but just like how to craft funny tweets. Like, I mean, I remember there were times where I'm like, I need, can you help me craft a tweet? He he wrote my bio for my um Instagram and my Twitter.
1: God, he really, I mean, the more wow. we hear about him, especially in these early uh seasons that kind of like have defined what it is now, the more I realize like that guy just like understood this at a level no one else does certainly that no producers today do.
2: He, de- he did. He definitely was a genius. And I think that he... In my opinion, we, were, we had a, a friendship. I think that maybe there was some guilt there. Uh, you know, after this... Uh, like <laughs> You kind of get thrust into this world. And I mean, I don't think he got paid to help people with their online presence, but nobody else was there to help. So I think maybe that was part of his role... Cause he was the one that would call and say, this is what's going to air this week. And um, so maybe there was a little guilt there. Cause who knows? That's just my.
0: Oh, he called you. Yes. Yes. He called me every week. Interesting.
2: <laughs> he, he heard a lot of the tears and then, so, but he definitely helped coach a lot of people with Instagram and social media after the
0: fact. I am so curious about these calls that they do with people when the episode is airing in like what we call like the watch back period and they let you know what's coming. Yeah. You're like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just, I'm like, what were those calls like for you? Because I feel like right off the bat night one, you're already getting a villain edit. Oh
2: yeah. Totally. hundred um, percent. Yeah. And then I was like, I don't think I should watch this. And I had all my friends over the first night and I was like, Oh, like, just like, I, I can't watch. Like everyone's asking me questions and, so I actually stopped watching, but my sister, who's a super fan would call and tell me like, I'm like, they said, this is going to, it's going to be like this. And she'd be like, well, it's still pretty bad. So, um, yeah, I was, I was not leaving my house very much because the paparazzi were really bad and my relationship was totally on the fritz. So I didn't leave my house a lot. So I was pretty in a dark place. I would just like lay in bed. And I remember I'd get the call and I'd be like, how's it going to be this week? And he kind of always would make it seem like it's getting better. And then it wasn't,
0: <laughs> you know, it got, it's getting better. Interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> there was at no point. Did it get better? They made it in my opinion, actively worse every week, the villain edit, I mean, and it was astounding to watch just like the whole body of work that you turned in that season, because despite, and we're get we're going to get into specifics for sure. But despite a massive villain edit, despite tattle attacks left and right, it was like none of it stuck to you. And I know that you had to deal with the fallout and tabloids and all that after, but like you still won the ring. It's incredible. I, I think. So before any of that though, how did you actually get in the game? Did you apply? Were you nominated? How did that work?
2: So I had, um, let's see, let's see, where do I start? I I had gone through a breakup and I was like having one of my wine nights watching Ashley's season. And I was like probably in you know, a little saucy and I texted my sister and it was at the end. It was like when she lifts them up from that the elbow and I was like, I bet it's going to be him. And I was so I went online and I looked at the application, text my sister. Do you think I should apply? And of course she's like a hundred percent. So I just, yeah. and like, I've listened, I've, I listened to your audio um, as well, like of the book. <laughs> there, I didn't, it's easier for me, but um, I just did a couple pictures and I just did a really fast application, like kind of hitting on kind of what you talk about in this book. Um, you kind of know what they're looking for heartache, you know, just kind of did a fast and dirty application. I wasn't going about to go do a video or waste my time on that just because it just seemed like a lot. Um, no, no. and then they like called me in like a day or two later because it was just right down the street from my place in San Monica.
1: God, that's crazy. That
0: worked out perfectly. <laughs> I wonder how many people like come off a breakup and they're like, fuck it. Let's go on bachelor. Oh, no.
2: It was probably not the best timing. Cause that guy, I think it was really hard for him. It was hard for us to be quite honest with you. Um, it's just so unnatural thing to have to watch your ex go on national TV. Yeah, yeah.
0: At least they probably didn't get the scrutiny that they get today which is like anyone connected to anyone going on the show is going to have all of their shit uncovered.
2: (laughs) Yes. And and for me, there was stuff that wasn't about me. Like stories would come out and I wasn't allowed to talk to the media until after the show. But like people were like literally going online, like making up stories about me. Like she wore white to my friend's wedding and people would like take it and run with it. Um, just like really weird stories that just made me look bad, you know?
1: Yeah. And now because we have TikTok, people can do that. And those TikToks will go viral immediately. You don't even need like us weekly to try and cover it or something. It's just like anyone can do it. It's really crazy, I think, the environment that exists now for this.
0: I can see that going viral. She wore white to my friend's wedding. And it's like the person in front of like a picture yeah. of you. And you're like, that's not even white. That's a light. <laughs>
1: I know. Let's uh get into your season now. Let's start with night 1. You get the 6th limo exit, you come out and you do what we call a standy. You issue a little kind of pre-scripted joke. You say, "Do you come here often?" You run your fingers through Ben's hair. It all goes pretty well, but later that night you witness history when Lindsay Cox performs the first grand entrance of all time. She rides in on a horse. Were you aware in that moment that history was being made, and what was your reaction to seeing someone come in on a horse? It was the first time anything like that had ever been done.
2: So I didn't know history was being made. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I do now, um, but in all, honest, all honesty, I was the last out of the limo, and Lindsay was the first in with the horse. So. Spoiler alert. Oh. When I was, wow. actually, maybe this was with gameplay. So from doing commercial auditions in LA, I remembered, you either want to go early, be the first in or the last out. So you're the most memorable. And I asked production, can I go last or first? And they said, okay, you got it. You're going to go last. So like it aired out of sequence. But obviously with her riding in on a horse. So when I came in, it was like, well, some girl rode in on a horse and it was like, what? And then she had her little hat. And so, yeah, that's kind of how that played out for me. And then she got the first impression rose, which I wasn't too mad about because for all I knew, I was like, well, yeah, she rode in on a horse. Of course.
1: (laughs) Did you know at that time, first of all. Let me just compliment you on knowing that going first and last is super important. And that's what I'm talking about, your innate game sense. Knowing on night Mm -hmm. one that you can even attempt to barter with the producers to get one of those rewards is fascinating. But uh, the first impression, Rose, and all that, were you aware of the fact that producers largely are the ones who determine who gets it?
2: Um, No, I I solely thought it was his um, decision. I didn't really at that point know how much of a hand they had in keeping who, you know, orchestrating. Sure. I learned as I went on.
0: You get your first conversation with Ben later, your mini date, and you say you're only there for him. You do some more hair play, and we get this ITM of you off face saying that you're better than the other women. And whenever I see a line, especially a line like this, which is what I think is the first moment, well, I guess actually your intro video was the first villain edit part of this, but was this Franken bitten?
2: So I'd have to see, was that, did they show what I was wearing? Was it night one or was it a voiceover?
0: It's a voiceover and we don't even see you saying it. And that would
2: probably have been taken from probably not night one. In my opinion, I can't say I'd have to see
0: what the yeah
2: was. I do remember, you know, we went till four or five the first night in the morning And I remember at one point I was doing an interview and I felt like, uh uh-oh, I think I overserved myself. (laughs) I felt a little, um, woo. So I just like started drinking water and I just sat with it. I was like, I better lock it up because I feel like, you know, I might be getting a little sassy.
1: (laughs) That's also very good strategy. We say that in our book that you shouldn't drink at all. But I mean, to even have the wherewithal to be like, wait a minute, it's too much. I need to rein this in or my strategy's out the window. Fucking amazing.
2: I did. I was like, wow. Oh my gosh, girl, get it together. I felt like I found myself like, ooh, ooh, this is not a good look. So, and then you're up to like four or five. Um, yeah. So maybe I said something.
0: I don't remember feeling that way, but I always think I'm like, well, you might have said, like, it's not like I think I'm better than the other women, you know, or doing an impression right. of someone else. And then they can just. Eep. Cut that a little bit.
2: <laughs> I didn't really know they played that. I'm like, oh my gosh, that sounds so bad. But I, I don't, I, I wasn't saying it like in that. Definitely not in that, you know,
1: context. Sure. Did you know on night one that you were getting a villain at it? Did you have any idea that was happening?
2: No, I had no idea until I saw the first episode air. And then towards the end, uh... he was like, "They're saying it's going to be bad for you." the producers, to him. And I was like, really? And I I was like, I knew there was a narrative that had been forming and they were trying to get me to play into it. And I I really wouldn't just because I was like, no, this is a storyline you're creating. Like, I'm not going to play that card. So it kind of started to click towards the end of when we were in Switzerland.
0: I mean, they keep telling you that it's going to get better. How do they... Justify the edit to you? Are they like, hey, we're sorry, but like this might come off this way?
2: You know, everybody had a different excuse. Like every producer, the person that I got the most in trouble with, I probably still haven't talked uh, talk, talk to uh, like most of the interviews that I felt like I was, you know. Um, but like one of the main, I think Martin Hilton was like, we thought it was funny. We, you know, uh, Mike Fly said, mm. you know, you save this show like you our ratings were down and it was so boring and you were like the thing that kept it you know we kind of had to do it and everybody had a different uh after the fact like kind of spin on it like what would make them feel okay about it you know my wife was like you're famous I'm like that's all what I I just wanted this healthy relationship <laughs> yeah. had a different uh spin on it you know
1: yeah so you go in week one, you go to Sonoma. You get your first one-on-one date. It's a nice picnic out in the Redwood Forest with Ben and his dog, Scotch. goes pretty perfectly. You play an immaculate chemistry game. You get the one-on-one rose. And then you're in an ITM where you say the other girls should watch out because you got the rose. And you do this kind of mad villain laugh and you're twirling the rose between your fingers. Did production ask you to play around with the rose? Were they trying to exacerbate your villainy or was that all you?
2: That was definitely me. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure if it was after the first date. Was it after? Was I in the outfit of the date?
1: I have no oh, idea.
2: we gotta
0: track the outfits better.
2: <laughs> yeah, we caught continuity, and I, I feel like I did that maybe after the skinny dipping, but I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, I was told. I think I was like giddy, and I was probably like had a little wind beneath my wings. And I probably was just playing around. And also my friend, Amy Dean, she's a producer and she's like, Courtney, like they would keep me in the interview room for hours. And she's like, you would just come and be like, what do you need for me? Like, I would just try to, I hated doing the ITM. So I'd always just try to give them something. So they'd let me go to sleep. And I think that worked <laughs> against me,
0: <laughs> but you were well-rested. <laughs> All
2: rested, and then everybody was laugh- like, by who well, I thought, you know, my friends, producers were always laughing and oh, I got carried away.
0: Week two, you have a bye week when you don't have a date. Do you have to stay in the hotel? How do you spend your free time?
2: You do. Yeah, we were in like a high rise in San Francisco, like a hotel. And um, yeah, you can go to the gym. You have to schedule time in the morning. There's like a sign in sheet like you can only go one Person can go at the time. So you're not mm-hmm. talking off camera, you know, too much. Um, there's no TV, no books, no magazines. So really, you're just sitting around um, with who's not on the group date or the date.
1: And despite it being a bye week, that night at the cocktail party, Ben takes you in the secret tunnel that's supposedly used for JFK to be sneaking Marilyn Monroe around. And you emerge on this rooftop and you basically get an impromptu one on one. Are you aware? that this is set up by producers, that they have to be in concert with Ben to be able to do this.
2: You know, I thought that he picked that out for me and I thought it was so cool at the time. It felt like, Oh, he's, he can read the room. Like I need to get away, you know, carve out a little yeah. time for me. Cause he hasn't seen me. That's how it felt. And I kind of thought that maybe they gave him the option and he just picked me to do it, but it was rude.
1: Yeah. That could have been
2: maybe. Yeah. I think so. I, I think it, I remember after that same night when Chantel um, the member shows up and he said to producers, I hope Courtney didn't see that. And then I heard no. that and I was like, wow, he really likes me.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've seen, they just did it this past season with a player named Susie Evans, who is the eventual ring winner. They gave her a very similar rooftop knock knock when she didn't have a, a date that week. It was her bye week and they gave her that.
0: that. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah. So week three, you all travel to Park City, Utah, and you are on a group date going fly fishing. You ITM some great open gameplay speech, which you do all season. You say no one is making moves. They need to up their game. And you catch a fish on the date. And then at the cocktail party, you have what was, in our opinion, one of the best plays all season. You play what we call Make Me Stay, telling Ben that you're having a hard time in this situation. He goes to get the group date rose for you, despite revealing in an ITM that he initially wanted to give it to another player. Did you know in that moment that you got him to change his mind?
2: You know, I think uh, you kind of stopped me. I don't know. Let me think about this. Um,
0: We're like, this is 20 years ago. Uh, (laughs) 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 What was going through your head?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I probably was having a hard time. Um, That was right after the San Francisco thing. And I I know I was, I had a hard time the whole time. (laughs) I was always ready to leave. Like I always had like my bags ready to go. Um, I don't think that I knew that I I was going to get the rose. I didn't really put too much importance on the group date roses because I already felt like I had a target on my back since Sonoma once I had that date. Um, I actually wanted like less, I wanted him to help me out and not do that kind of stuff. So, um, I probably was thinking about leaving, to be honest, <laughs> there's probably some truth to that. I don't know that it was an intentional gameplay.
1: Yeah. I mean, Were you
0: like, God. Oh, my sister's never going to forgive me if I self eliminate.
2: <laughs> I, I, I could still get out like unscathed. And I remember the fishing date though. And I felt that way on every, going back to that, every group date the girls did not engage with him or flirt with him. It was like, they were off getting screen time and being cute and playing with each other. And I actually almost felt bad for him. Like, I know that happened on what the last season of The Bachelorette, right? Michelle was like- Yeah, Michelle Young. That is a perfect example. Every group date I was on, it felt like that. And I was like, oh, I guess he's just, he's there for the taking, you know? And the fish thing- that was a professional fly fisher. They just were like, come over here. We got one on the line. And I was like, oh,
0: all right.
1: Wait, what? They caught? You
0: didn't actually catch the fish. No.
1: They oh. caught a fish for you and put the fishing rod in your hand that had a fish on it.
2: I talked about that in my book. And, um, and I'm like, here's the thing. Any of those girls kind of run over and grab the rod. You know, they had professional fly fishers in the bushes all along the river.
1: I mean, sure. I think you could do anything. I'm like fully <laughs> believing at this point that at least all of your staggeringly incredible gameplay is 100% real. Speaking of which, you get an ITM later in this same episode where you repeat the phrase winning over and over and over again. And that night at the cocktail party, Emily O'Brien tries to tattle on you saying that you're 40 TWR, and it doesn't work. And this is really the first time that we see somebody trying to openly tattle against you, and you're gonna have to obviously deal with that all season. You had, I think, the best title defense of any player in history. Do you have any advice for players who might be facing a title attack in the current era? Like, how do you deflect it so well?
2: You know, I think for me, it was the easiest thing, and I said to him, "Well, give me an example of what I've done, please." Like, and, you know, and and he said that too. He said all along, he said, "I've asked the girls." Give me an example. Like, what is she doing? Like, what is so bad? And they, he said, nobody could come up with one thing that you've done or what you've said because they were really reaching. You know, I think, in my opinion,
0: do you think it was because you had that target, and they thought maybe you're a front runner, maybe from the tunnel thing? I
2: think it was a lot of different things. I think it was that I wasn't around that much because I was exhausted. I was in interviews a lot. I think producers were pulling me in. I hate to say it more than some of the other girls who had more time to, you know, there's only like two interview rooms. And so I just know how much I was in there. And that took me away from the girls bonding in the house. And I think they took that, mm. like they were offended. Like she doesn't want to hang out with us or where's Courtney or she's napping. I, I really from an early, I, I need my sleep. I told the girls in Sonoma, like, I need to save some energy. Like I can't drink all day and just be like my best self the next day. So I really took time to like relax and um, that took time away from the girls. So I think that the snarky comments, I know what got me in trouble, it was when I said to KCB, like, how did that taste coming out of your mouth when she read my name off the date card? That was a joke. And I'm very (laughs) snarky in real life. Like, And some people can hang and some people can't. I think in this setting, it didn't really work. I think it really irritated the girls and I was okay with that too. Like I kind yeah. of pushed their buttons a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, that's what we call the second audience game, how you interact with the other players. And generally speaking, what you did on that season never works. You, like any other player who does this gets escorted out of the game almost immediately. Tattle attacks will work against them. And like I said, you just deflected it all. It Nothing ever stuck to you.
2: What am I doing? Like, what? A, you know. And he was, and nobody would say, like, we just don't like her. And he's like, well, I like her. You know.
1: Right.
0: So the next week, you all travel to Puerto Rico. You go on a baseball group day. Your team wins, and it's a traditional play for time. At the after party, you float this idea of skinny dipping with Ben, but he doesn't bite in that moment. But later, after he eliminates Elise Myers in a one-on-one execution the producers give you a knock knock. And this is where you initiate one of the, the most iconic plays in the history of the game, the Puerto Rican skinny dip. Was this your idea?
2: Yes, it was. Yes. I, I love skinny. dipping. It was always a thing. I've been to new beaches in Hawaii. Like to me, it's just like, I think at that point in the show, I kind of forgot that we were being filmed so much. I know that sounds crazy. You just get really wrapped into this bubble. I mean, obviously I knew they were filming, but, um, it, it wasn't like, oh, this could be a shocking thing for TV. That wasn't a Mm thought. I really just wanted to spend time with them. I did know that we would have time without audio. So that was playing for me because I really wanted to be able to speak freely, you know, without producers there and pulling this aside and kind of molding it, um, So, yeah, but he knew the night before we were going to do it. And then he acts so surprised when I showed up. And that's what really bothered me, you know, because he he was like, oh, she's here. And I'm like, we talked about this we planned this the night before. And then I looked like cuckoo.
0: So how do you initiate that? Did you bring it up with the producers the night before and you were like I have this idea Mm-mm. so we talked
2: about it on camera at the end of the group date um the baseball date mm.
0: and I was like we were sitting there
2: and I just felt like the conversation was falling flat and and it was like very like you know like what's your favorite color like it just wasn't I was very a little bit bored and I was like gosh it'd be so fun like I have a little wild side I was like let's let be so fun we could go skid, skinny dipping right now and He's like, let's do it. I'm, I'll am i do it. Let's go right now on the group end of the group, or, you know, the group date. The girls are all sitting there. I said, no, 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 no. I said, how about tomorrow night? Um, and he said, yeah, my one on one date is probably going to end early. So it was a plan. And I was like, we talked about it on camera, but what they showed just didn't they didn't
0: air that. He said it's probably going to end early. Like he like he knew he was already going to break up with the girl. Oh my gosh!
2: Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, it was a date." Like, yeah. I was like, "That's a date, okay?" So like,
0: yeah, it was scheduled. I
2: had a move on. I had brought you know everything ready to go. And I was sitting around the house with the girls. And they had we had a movie night. They let they brought a movie in so we can all watch the movie. And I think they were kind of distracting me, the other girls so I could slip out the back. And again, the girls just thought I was in an in interview room. So.
1: But that was all. Like you had producer help to do all of that. Obviously, as you're saying, they literally brought in a movie to distract them. What was the movie? Do you remember?
2: I don't remember. And I was, God, I was so excited. My friend Casey would remember, or Jacqueline. I was so jelly because I was like, God, I could just use some entertainment, like a movie. You know, we were in Puerto Rico, so I don't remember. It was like from the hotel or what? But
1: it was probably like The Shining or something to really get everybody traumatized and scared shitless. <laughs>
2: And I think at some point they did during our that episode say like, where's Courtney? They showed, you know. Yeah. It was fun though. The skinny dipping, like I will say, like it was fun. I needed it. Like I just needed like a real kind of moment with him. Not that in my real life I go skinny dipping that often. I was a lot younger then, but I needed to see that he was fun and like kind of like shake it up because he could he was coming across as very serious to me.
0: Did you plan out like what you were going to talk about in the water? Like, my, <laughs> yeah. here's my off-camera moment. What am I going to ask?
2: <laughs> you know, I think I just, I really didn't. I, it just kind of naturally started coming up and uh, <laughs> it, it was nice. So I mean, we weren't out there for very long, but you know, I mean, he essentially told me like, it's you and now I have to like, kind of go through the motions with all the other girls.
1: So you knew then he already (laughs) locked it in and the rest of it was just like faking whatever he had to fake to get through the show. Yeah.
2: He was like, this is so difficult. Like I have to like, and I told him, I said, I honestly, like, I know Emily's come to you and like she had just come to him again and tried to talk about me again. And I was like, she's been like, the girls are pretty awful to me in the house. I was like, I'm never going to talk about them to you, but it's, I go, I really hope you can get rid of her soon. Like she's, I can't stand her.
1: It's amazing, like the first audience gameplay that you were able to wield in this season is incredible. that you could then get the Bachelor to just eliminate people or basically do your bidding is it's just fucking fascinating. And, and then we get to week five. you get another group date. This one has all of you are visiting a local tribe in Panama City uh, to partake in their customs and you do another voluntary nudity play. Was this voluntary nudity play your idea entirely? Were the producers like, ah, maybe you revisit the skinny dipping vibe again?
2: Yeah, I think that definitely kind of they were after that, like they were like, We should do something in your ITM, like basic instinct, where you like they were like trying to get me like to do kind of salacious things and and I did. I was like, Okay, that would be fun. Let's like, let's try it. Um yeah. for Bennett, I was with Bennett, he was my producer that day. And to be quite honest with you, I, we were getting dressed. You didn't see me. Like there's a moment I'm like, uh, should I? And the lady that they didn't speak any English, um, seemed to, they seemed offended at the people that lived there that we weren't doing it. Like they wanted us to do mm. it, like culturally. And that's kind of what the producer said to me. He was like, Courtney, nobody will see anything. They put two tops on me. They're very beat it. So you really like the girls couldn't see anything. Um, he couldn't see anything, but you could see like, oh, okay, she doesn't have a bathing suit on. So that was why I did it.
0: Yeah, dang. They're like, ah, oh, you're gonna offend the culture if you don't do this voluntary nudity play right now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I want to be one with the tribe. Like, I'm gonna like really just be in in this. Um, but they definitely were like, don't worry, nobody can see anything, even with the skinny dipping. They were like. There's going to be a black, but like nobody will see anything. And then the promo went out to Good Morning America, and there was no censoring. You could see everything. And I called a lot, and I was like, "You guys better fix this." Like I agreed to, oh, like God. I would do this if everything was blurred out, and the the one they sent out wasn't.
1: So... That's unreal. Not
2: cool. Yeah, they, And I, I felt like looking back, it was intentional. And I know that they did swap it out. So... Because I called and raised hell, but...
1: Oh, I think of course it was intentional. You're talking about a show that when people have, for whatever reason a little too much showing here or there, they'll now go in and digitally paint like an extra inch of a bathing suit bottom or top to cover whatever they're trying to cover. Or they'll put a black box on somebody for no reason other than to make them look stupid. I mean, they do definitely pay attention to detail in most cases. Sometimes stuff slips through, but like not that. Not voluntary nudity plays, for sure. Especially ones they orchestrated.
0: No, that's an area where you're very intentional.
2: You guys are like jogging my memory, but the black box in Panama wasn't really necessary because yeah. you couldn't see anything. But it did create that, oh,
0: look at this hoe bag,
2: you know?
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah, they they use it to kind of slut shame sometimes.
1: Trish Schneider, season five. That's literally the only reason they used it on her.
0: Oh my gosh, I, I haven't seen that
2: one. You guys are like legit super fans, like OG, I've, I've got that from your book too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, we did write that book. Uh, That
0: you picked that up from the book. (laughs) Well, she had the first. She had the first one when she came out in like a thong bikini. It was very scandalous. Well, now it's like I
2: feel like it's gotten way less like less butt shaming and stuff like that. And. this is really brilliant in your book. I really think... Have you guys ever considered uh, making a game, like card game?
1: We've considered a wide array of uh, different iterations of the weird knowledge we now have about The Bachelor.
2: If anyone could pull it off, it would be you guys. Like you just going back to like, okay, season five. You could create like a card game that could be a killer
0: stocking
1: stuffer. Yeah, We'll see.
0: We have thought about doing a card game with like iconic players on it and you know obviously you know you have like queen courtney or whatever you know you fill in the certain players um but i feel like i completely understand this season a lot more knowing that you already knew you were the ring winner and you're just going through this experience and being like i'm going to try to have as much fun with it as i can while i have to sort of endure this yeah
2: that that's really nice of you to say and that probably was a hindrance to me knowing like okay like I think it's me. Like he kind of just told me it was. And I kind of just took that for face value because he was so sincere mm-hmm. um, and seemed very conflicted. Like,
1: and in that moment,
2: I remember saying to him, like, just explore your options. Like if this is us at the end and we are truly engaged, I don't want you to resent me for like explore your options, you know?
0: Oh, interesting. All right. Uh, week six, you go to Belize and you get a one on one date. It is a plain historical monument, Mayan temple picnic. And you expertly play this Make Me Stay, saying the spark is gone because you're seeing him with these other women. And it works. You get the rose. One of the best Make Me Stays in history, perfectly timed.
1: Support for today's episode comes from One Skin. If you have sensitive skin, you're gonna wanna hear about One Skin's scientifically proven topical supplements. This is face, eye, body, shield, and it can all be used with any of their other products, which are free from over 1,500 chemicals and preservatives that can make skin red, irritated, or itchy. Their products are safe for sensitive skin. It's just one of the reasons they've earned the SkinSafe seal of approval.
0: You got to keep that skin glowing if you want to be keeping up the level of face play that I've got going on. And OneSkin was founded by an all-woman team of scientists. Their products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Uh, Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products often. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company, By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code ROSES at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code ROSES. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support Gore and tell them that we sent you. Even better, gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Clues, underwear drawers, they're not organized. They're like the the Wild West, the final frontier of wardrobes. Mm. And there's no rhyme or reason to them. Y- you got... Ones that are super old, uh, different brands, etc. You don't know what to expect. But now I have felt the buttery soft comfort of me undies. And now I want to replace the whole drawer with me undies because those are my now go-to. I'm currently wearing their long sleeve shirt and <laughs> my... Um, <laughs>
1: From the outside in.
0: And then unbeknownst to you, the group date that week sees three players all tattle attacking you without you being there to defend. And this ends seasons for most players, but not you. You are at the rose ceremony waiting for Ben to call the names, but he asks you to talk before it starts. What was that moment like? Did you think he was sending you home at that point?
2: I was a little shocked when he pulled me. Um, I didn't realize that that was a thing. And I remember I had said something to him about wanting to feel special or like, you know, like, and I, I remember thinking, oh, maybe this is what he's, he's doing this to make me feel special, like to set to make me feel set apart because I had said that losing the spark thing. Um, and I think, that's kind of how I took it. And that's kind of what he made it yeah. seem like to me. But he also was like, he needed a reason to do it. So he was like, are you going to stay if I keep you, you know? And I said, yeah, cause I, I really was considering leaving, but I think part of me, this is me being honest. Part of me knew me saying that, um, would probably like get more out of him,
1: you know? Yes, mm. of course. I
2: just needed more. Like I was like,
1: it's brilliant strategy. Like,
2: I think that that was somewhat strategic.
1: Somewhat. I think it was perfectly strategic. I mean, it worked, obviously. And in this moment, you're, you find out that these other three players on this group date did a group title. How did that make you feel? Like, did you feel, were you mad at these other players? Did you view it as like, eh, this is all just part of the game. They're, they're playing their game. I'm playing mine. We'll see who wins what was your reaction to it?
2: You know, I don't think I knew until after, I think you just reminded me of that. I don't know that I knew then that that happened. So Uh that is a testament to him for sticking to his guns, which means a lot, you know? Um, I think they were calling me the black widow at that point. Right. I think KCB was like, I'm going to do her like a bug. Um, So yeah, I just, I knew that they were all talking all this jazz about me the whole time. So I was just really not focused on them. I just wanted at that point Emily to leave, and I remember I had said that thing in Puerto Rico, and then like, God, she's still here. I'm still having to deal with her. Mm -hmm. So I was so ecstatic, ecstatic that she left that night. That was right, right. And police,
0: Mm -hmm.
2: they put her on the boat, and she just.
0: Uh, Week seven, you travel to Scottsdale, Arizona for hometowns, and you have the fourth hometown. I'm not sure if that was filmed, or whether you knew what order it was filmed. But you have this fantastic meeting of the family. You get what we call the glow from the family all around. They seem to be on board. But the most important thing to us that happens is arguably the greatest hometown round in history. You take Ben to this park, and you have an impromptu wedding with an officiant in a little gazebo, and you make him write out these vows, you write out vows, essentially giving him this rehearsal for the final rose ceremony, future casting in real life. And you, what we call love level four, you tell him you love him. You obviously needed help from the producers to do this. Was it your idea initially to do this fake wedding?
2: Um, so I was like, uh, I think it was Belize. They pulled me aside and, and they were like, let's talk about your hometown. It was a lawn. let's talk about your hometown date. And I said, can we get a helicopter? I'd like to go fly over. <laughs> and so I gave them like a list of things and they're like, well, we thought you could take him to a golf course and hit some balls. I was like, no, I was like, I do not want to do anything cliche in Arizona. We're not going hiking. That's not something I would do. Um, and so I gave them a list of like my favorite restaurants and places. And I threw out this, it's a great brunch spot and people can rent it out to get married there. I, it's where I did one of my first modeling shoots. And so I said, I'd like to take him to the farm. This is the place I've always wanted to get married. We could do a picnic. And then they brought up the whole officiant thing. And I didn't realize it was going to feel like until I was there, I was like, holy mackerel, like, are we married? Like, this felt really real. I was like the most
0: nervous I'd been the whole time.
1: Yeah, it seemed real.
2: Because
0: you didn't know if the officiant was real?
2: No, I was like, are we not so married? Like, I literally was like, should I call my parents? My pet dad's going to be pissed. Should I call my parents?
1: <laughs> it it totally felt real until the officiant at the very end says something like, you know, if this had been a real ceremony, I would now pronounce you man and wife, but you can still kiss. Like, that's it. Everything else in it is completely the way a, a wedding goes. After that, you move on to the second round of playoffs, fantasy suites. You get the third one, or at least that's how it's presented in the document. And in this fantasy suite round, uh, Ben brings up the idea that the other women didn't think you were there for the right reasons. These are kind of the residual effects of that tattle attack. And this is the first time that you start to lean on the idea that the process itself is making you behave in ways that you wouldn't normally, making you more competitive or whatever the case might be. And it works. The fantasy suite goes well, but then later producers bring back Casey Bogoski, who was eliminated in the prior round. They literally bring her to Switzerland to plant the seeds of doubt in Ben's mind again. You still get the rose, obviously, but at that point, were you mad at all at the producers for flying her there and trying to, it seemed like, purposely sabotage your relationship?
2: I didn't know that happened until later, 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 but I remember he was you know what? I think I knew one of the next dates we had, he told me. Um, And it was just that quick conversation, but he was so pissed because he, when that scene happened, he was coming back from our overnight. So here he was, he was exhausted and he's just had this, we've had this great night where we kind of talk about everything and he shows up to his door and he's like, what? Like, why? You know, like she's there. So I knew, and that's how he told me he felt about it. You know, he was just more mad that they would even do that. I wasn't worried that like, oh, maybe he'll keep her.
1: Did you guys ever openly talk about like producers fucking with you? Did any of you, you and the other players or you and Ben?
2: Mm, I think like the process felt on that, like my best friend, Casey Steamer, like we, we, you don't really get time to talk off camera much, to be honest. So that's why the overnight is, I hate to say it, it's so cliche, it's so important because you can speak freely. Um... And then I, I, remember thinking, like, I wonder if they have cameras in here. Like, I wonder if they can hear us. Like, yes, I would think that they, can, <laughs> right? They do
1: and can, and they just don't air it to keep the illusion of the fact that you're off mic and off camera. But they know everything that happens in there. I'm sure
2: that seems like such a crime, but I bet you that they do. Um, so yeah, I, I'm sorry. What was the question again? My mom brain.
1: <laughs> it was. I was just asking. Uh, if you were mad at the producers at that point, or if you guys ever openly talk about producer interference?
2: Um, like on our first date, we got lucky. We knew they let us ride in the car um, together and we got to listen to music and we we're talking to music. They normally keep you separate. And they were, they would say like, we'd be talking about something and they'd be like, hold it, save it for camera, save it, save it. It's like, well, how are we going to talk about this band we both like? So There's that, like they always try to keep you to save it. If you're talking too much before you start filming, they try to pull you apart. So, I mean, it's just present. There's a lot of interference. I mean, on our first date, they pulled me aside and they said, we really need you to start being vulnerable. America's not going to like you if you don't start sharing more vulnerable things about yourself. And I'm like, I'm just on the first date. Like I'm trying to have a good time and I'm starving Uh and I'm not eating
1: that's they're telling you America's not going to like you. They use that phrase.
2: Yeah. It was a Yeah. It was very much so along those lines. And it was a female EP. Um, and she was like, we need you. You're coming across. Like you need to be softer. You know, she was the same person that told me before the women tell all. you just need to go out there and be a girl. And I was like, Hmm. Okay.
0: Like, so there's just be a girl.
2: Yeah. I know. Like just be softer. Um, But there's constant interference, but we never really had a chance to talk about it. But towards the end in Switzerland, I was like, I'm not going to say that. Like, I started pushing back with the producers and then I got kind of like the backlash from them.
1: Yeah, the retribution.
0: So I'm assuming you have this off-camera time with Ben. I'm assuming you solidify your relationship at this point. Was there ever... Were you ever having doubts that it would be you at this point? Did you ever consider that you could possibly be the bachelorette?
2: Um. So at that point, I remember going before our overnight dates, the one of the EPs, when I just mentioned, uh, they took me out for, we just were having like tea, uh, like at that, the night before or something. And she asked, would you consider being the bachelorette? And I felt so offended in the moment, like, well, why would you ask me that? Like, it felt like a test. And I was like, no, I don't, I don't think I would, honestly. I was like, after going through this whole process, it's 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 not for me. Um, and I, I felt like it would almost work against me. Even if I said, yes, I would. I felt like I didn't trust anybody at that point to, to say that. So um, yeah, that was, uh, I, I, I knew he told me, like, it's, it's you and I'm madly in love with you. But the night before the uh, proposal I started to second guess, and I just thought, "Oh my gosh, what if he blindsides me? I need to be prepared." And I did start to second guess it after an interview with somebody who was really trying to spin my wheels up, and it worked.
1: Yeah,
2: I was like, "I can't, I can't can't do this." What was that
1: interview like? How did they spin the wheels?
2: Um, It was, I think it was Pete Scalatar, and I didn't do a lot of interviews with him. In my mind, it was kind of like they made him seem like the biggest, highest up. And if you did an interview with him, it was like big time in my mind. Um, and it just was like, constantly like what asking me, like, what are you going to do if it's not you? And like, if it's not you, and it was like, it was very like, leading, mm-hmm. like, would you yeah. know something that I don't know? Like, you know, and it was just like, he was just really working me and pulling. It was, I started getting upset and my whole thing was like, I don't want to cry on camera. And um, I started to cry and like, get really upset and I just felt very messed with like, and like, this isn't for me. Like stop manipulating me. And I just said, like, I, I can't interview anymore. And we called it. And then we went outside and he apologized and was like, I'm sorry. And and then it made you feel like, Oh, it's like, it's just, this is a stressful situation. So even you're apologetic.
0: God, I wonder your conversation with the, the female EP asking if you want, would be the bachelorette. I'm like, I wonder what your edit would have looked like if you had said yes. Cause I feel like they might, they would have wanted you to if they yeah, could.
1: I think so too. Really? Yeah.
2: Well, maybe they would have given me a better edit, but that yes. was so hard because America just liked me, but she was also talking smack about Ben to me, like uh, that same sitting. She's like, you know, he's, I forget what she said. She said something like, and I was like, really? Like she said something to me, like I didn't perceive him like that. And hmm. so I thought that was interesting, but who knows? Who knows me?
1: Yeah. Hindsight, I guess.
2: I would have loved that. Honestly, now, like a 20, 30 year old me, I would have like really enjoyed that experience.
1: Yeah. And you would have been great. I think. Did you, so talking about the women tell all, did you know that you were the first finalist to be, in the women tell all,
2: I did. They told me that 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 was kind of a big deal. Um, so, and they pay. I I was like, you gotta pay me. Like, I'm I'm like two. I think they paid me like two thousand bucks so I could buy a dress and do all. You know, I had been like hiding in my apartment, couldn't really work. So, yeah. And Alon coached me. Alon was wow. my guy. He was my go to. Uh
1: huh. That's awesome. You got paid for it.
0: Yeah, I'd never have heard of anyone getting paid for women to hold. I kind of bar. I think
2: I kind of bargained with them. You know, I was like, "I'm getting some money, son. I need a new dress." And then Carrie, I think I bought it. Yeah, I bought my own dress for that. Carrie Fetman dressed me for the after the final rose. So.
1: Wow! And then you go to the finale, you get the second meeting of the family. It goes well. The red flag is brought up about the other girls not liking you in the house. Doesn't matter. You obviously win. Then at the after the final rose, immediately they bring up the tabloid rumors that Ben is having an affair. That's how they introduce you as a couple. So immediately they're just trying to tear you down. <laughs> he broke off the engagement, but you guys are trying to get back together again and work everything out. And you essentially, both of you, start talking about the media coverage of your relationship and the villain edit as being the primary reason the relationship was so strained. What was that experience like when you come out of the show? And really up to that point, most couples, most ring winners and leads are kind of celebrated and most of the tabloids cover them favorably. But when you have it happen, it's the exact opposite. You're on the cover of every magazine as the villain of The Bachelor and all this stuff. What was that experience specifically like and how long did it last?
2: Um, That's a good question. Uh, obviously very lackluster. Uh, the whole time, two and a half months of filming, I knew we were going to end up together from pretty early on. And I like, you kind of daydream. I was like, how is this going to play out? In my mind, it was very positive. It was like, Amer- you know, America loves you guys together. They're rooting for you. So to have it go s- how you thought it was going to go so far the other way, and also have him kind of have a fall from grace. Because mind you, the whole time it was me as a bad guy. Now it was like, wait, you're the bad guy too. So the roles flipped for us. Like I really had to just take his word for it or, you know, take it, just accept it. Um, so I think that changed the dynamic a little bit too. Because I think it meant a lot to him that like I stuck by his side. Um, but by the end, I didn't know what we were going to talk about. It was pre-recorded obviously i think the next season was when they did live i kind of wish it was live i feel like they cut some things out that might have been good for our story but it just i remember feeling sad i remember feeling very sad that this was our tale and it was like us against the world and it didn't turn out the way i had hoped it would so i was sad yeah my parents were sad i remember my dad text, sent me a text that I was kind of like you know
0: hang in there i literally cannot even imagine like we have experience some of the uh, some of the feedback from Bachelor Nation and on a much smaller scale and it it can be intense
2: I can do it now like with what what the contestants are going through I know you guys talk about a lot of social media and stuff like I mean I received a lot of hate um, uh, online and just through my email and stuff and it's brutal I don't know how I don't think I could do it now
1: Do you think that there's any I mean, some, there are some relationships that still exist from the modern era, like uh, Michelle Young and Nate Olikoya. But do you really think that any of these relationships can last unless they are given just like the best edit, which Michelle Young and Nate Olikoya were? If you look at like uh, Susie Evans and a Clayton Eckard from this most recent season 26, they got a terrible edit. Both of them were kind of villainized in it. And now they're trying to work through. Almost kind of a similar situation as as what you and Ben Flannick had. But I think yours is worse for sure. They just happen to be in a, a modern era where it's like all over social media constantly. Do you think relationships can actually last from the show in this modern era?
2: That's a really good question. And I think that there's two theories that I have. I think that the people that really embrace social media and they see this as like a business, 100%, I think that they'll stay in it and they'll... As vapid as it is to me, they'll make it work and they'll make their money. And maybe even for years before the relationship disintegrates. Um, I think that's one, one way, but I think like in my case, and I know he would probably agree with me was we really tried to make a relationship work. Like we didn't work out not because of the show stuff, because we got to a point that we realized we weren't compatible, but we gave it, Mm -hmm. I hate to say it dating in the real world, but like, you know, I would say like, give it like a year and then like shitter it off the pot. And that's kind of what we did was like, I've seen enough to know that this probably isn't going to, this relationship isn't going to stand the test of time. So I think like Katie Thurston and Blake, right. They, they realized pretty quickly in the real world that they weren't working out and they just nipped it in the butt. Um, so for me, I mean, we really had a good stretch while we were trying to make it work. I was hopeful. And then the long distance, I think, ultimately killed us. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like that's a huge problem in general. Oh yeah, is that people don't live in the same place? It was hard, and I was doing all the
2: traveling, and I became resentful. And so, yeah, I, get, I don't know if that's a good answer, but I think yeah. I think that there's like the real life, like, and then like the Instagram. So I think it's just whatever people's intentions are. It's, but yeah, Cl- uh, Clayton and Susie definitely. I think that if they play it and they spin it and people start to see them in the real world, like I think that they'll jump on board because that's kind of what happens.
1: Yeah. People forget the hatred, I think. And then they're just like, Oh, they are kind (laughs) of cute. Their pizza reviews are funny. Uh, (laughs) you you have mentioned multiple of these other seasons. Do you watch pretty regularly now?
2: Yeah. My husband and I, we watch together. He's cute. He's like wifey wine Monday. I make charcuterie and we, um, we watch pretty religiously. He's like, we're excited for bachelor in paradise. And, it's fun because I'm on the other end now. We're both pretty snarky. So it's like, it's just fun for us to like have a little date, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Has he seen your Susan? No. no. <laughs> he
2: never really walked before me. He just knew, oh, this girl from Phoenix, she was, you know, and I popped up on his Instagram feed. Um, so he, that's how we kind of, he of liked my photos. That's how we met.
1: He's got to see it at oh. some point. It's a work of art. I mean, yeah.
2: No, oh, I don't, don't want to talk about it. Like, like books? no, like, because it's like, you know, I remember we were moving into our house and I found like a poster. I bought some vintage poster in Switzerland. I was like, I'm thinking about hanging this. And he's like, are you serious? Like, no, we're not hanging where you got engaged in our house.
1: Oh, man. <laughs> well, I'm glad I've seen it.
2: No, I, I, have, I downloaded them. I watched this, a couple of them when I wrote my book. It's old school.
0: I have a question. Um, I listened to your most recent reality Steve interview and you talked about reshoots for the skiing date. And I just wanted to clarify, this is a, a group date that they reshot the skiing portion after after the season had already completed shooting.
2: That's what I heard. Yeah, my friends, um, Jacqueline was there. They flew them all back up there and they
0: had to put their outfits back on.
2: I was under the impression that they did the snow and the whole thing from what he was telling me because from what Jacqueline said and then from what he said, but somebody said that it wasn't that. I don't know if they were just scared to, to admit that but i know that they mm. flew those girls back up there and made him put their outfits back on
1: but also they flew Ben there and made him go on this date and pretend to be interested in them after he had already proposed to you you had accepted the relationship was already solidified the game was over and they're like go back and fake like you still have to do this one group date
2: and he was so annoyed and i was too he called me the night before we talked about it and i just remember thinking like are they trying to like manipulate the outcome like i felt like that and it, it was under, I was under the impression it was like something with the audio or they needed some more or they needed more. Um, yeah, but he was annoyed. I
0: was
1: annoyed. God, that's insane.
0: Yeah, I feel like you can tell sometimes the ITMs are like filmed afterwards because people's hair will be totally different. And, and they'll be like, like... Night
2: one, like you'd have to do the night one interviews all over again. And like, you're so tired at the end, but like, you know, they have a makeup artist the first night. So if you see they look tired or makeup...
0: Known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, Canopy is dermatologist recommended. This unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water. Best of all, the Canopy filtered showerhead is hassle-free, installations a breeze, and its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, gore listeners can use our code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.
0: Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Um, You also said that you have reached out to villains that have come after you support because you didn't have that support. How did you decide to do that? What has that experience been like to like bond with other villains? You know,
2: I did I reached out to Olivia. I've reached out to um Chad Johnson. I just felt like he
0: needed some help. Um, <laughs> I think that was a good instinct.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think like Olivia and I have a good friendship. I check in on her every once in a while. Um, you know, like, for example, on this season, Chenea, I asked my husband, I was like, you know, I'm thinking about reaching out to her. Like, but he's like, I don't know, Courtney. I would leave, like, I think you should leave that, let that one lie. And I, so I didn't reach out, but I have thought about it because I do kind of feel bad for her. And if I had to guess, I bet you she's the one who has read this book.
0: Oh, I love this! You're trying to guess who who clues coached? I think
2: it's brilliant. If you ever need a backup, let me know. But I just I think that the way I feel for her, I should probably reach out to her. But
0: I think you both would be a great coaching team.
2: I think that hey, the fact that coaching yeah. is amazing. I seriously would have had I known. I would have definitely utilized this.
1: Yeah. I mean, hopefully players... Well, I, I know some players are utilizing it. I'll just... I'll leave it at that. Definitely, there are some in-game currently who are utilizing it. But uh, you also mentioned in your Reality Steve interview that some male villains have slid into your DMs.
2: Male villains? Oh, from other seasons? Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, other guys. But when I was single, living in Santa Monica, a lot of... Other contestants slid in for sure.
1: Yeah, that's kind of how it goes now. I mean, that's just like the as soon as you come off the show, the rest of the dating pool from Bachelor Nation is just like in your DMs immediately. But I have to imagine that you were probably in the first era of that pre paradise.
2: Yeah, you know, I think that was before screenshots. Now I would be like (laughs) very wary of that. Like, I don't think screenshotting were around then, at least that I know of. But, um, I definitely, like, I met Nick Vial, he, he hit me up, um, Mama. and he came to my house in Santa Monica we sat outside and chatted and, and it was very much so like villain to villain. Like that was before he went on to be the bachelor, all that right. stuff. And I will say like there's an instant, like ease or with anyone who's been on the show, as long as you don't have some, mm-hmm. but we just chatted about it. It there was nothing salacious about it or creepy, um, I didn't get the sense that he was like hitting on me. We just talked about our experience and he left and that was it. I never saw him again, never talked to him again.
1: How much of that conversation... I'm sorry, you just opened a can of worms with me because I think Nick Vial is one of the greatest players of all time. Uh, What was that conversation like? Were you talking about game strategy and how to avoid certain things, what the producers did to you? What was in that conversation?
2: I think it was just like, honestly, like talking about being yourself and like we talked about a lot, a lot. I know Alon and him became very close to me. He sounds like Alon when he talks, he sounds, he, he actually, I think has adopted his inflection and the way he talks and Alon is a genius. So we talked a lot about um, Alon and just kind of, you know, just the show. I mean, I can't, it was so long ago, but um, yeah. So I met him and a couple other people, at events and stuff, but I liked him. I, I, we didn't form a bond. I think part of me at the back of my mind was like, maybe we'll really hit it off, but I had him come to my house because I also didn't want to be out in the public. I remember with that wherewithal, like people can take pictures of us and I didn't want that.
1: Right.
0: What, what do you think makes Alana a genius?
2: I think he is a genius. I think he is a, a genius, like certified, like, Hmm. I think he. I don't think he would admit to it, but he's just a very, very smart person, and he's very good at. I don't know. He think. I don't know if he just. He thinks ahead, or if he's just that smart and he runs on a very high octane. But hmm.
0: yeah. Um. After your time in game, you write a New York Times bestseller. I didn't come here to make friends. Confessions of a reality show villain. When did you decide to do this book? Were you journaling throughout your experience with that in mind?
2: Um, Yeah. You know what? I think I decided to write the book when we broke up and he said something about like, I should have listened to the girls in an interview or something like that. And it was like a dagger to my heart. And I was like, you know what? Like, that's it. I am done being the bad guy. I am going to share my side of the story. Come raise or, you know, I'm going to raise hell to do it. And that was the moment I decided to write it. I did journal during my season. It was pretty weak sauce. I mean, it wasn't very consistent, but I lost. It's actually kind of sad. I lost. I had a really hard time with not having a sense of time and like a calendar. So I like, like try to make calendars <laughs> and like a countdown for the end.
1: I mean, this is oh, literally God. like what you see people in movies doing when they're in prison and they're like putting the check marks <laughs> on the wall of how much time they spend. That's unreal.
2: I, yeah. It's like kind of sad when you look back at it. It's like, there is that part where you're just so... And I, I remember I bought a watch in the airport because I was like, I, I was constantly like, what time is it? What time is it? this like, little cheapo watch. Cause like, I just had no sense of day time or whatever, but yeah. Um, So then I decided to write the book and that was, I mean, I, I did everything leading up to that moment to get there. I did text Mike Fleiss saying we were close. I had a friendship with him saying I brought the ring back to him too. That's a fun tidbit. Uh, I drove it to Malibu. And uh, even though I'd staged a photo shoot, making it look like I went to, Neil Lane. Lane. Uh-huh. Everyone, when you break up, they want to know where's the ring? Where's the ring? (laughs) So sorry if I'm (laughs) nearly. I definitely didn't
0: think Mike Fleiss was the one who collected the rings.
1: (laughs) Neither did I. That puts a whole new element to this, the entire franchise.
2: Like 12 in the divorce or something like that. Yeah. Looking back, I wish I would have been like, screw you guys. You put me through the ringer. I'm keeping it. What are you gonna do? Um, sorry, I'm like totally yard selling. I'm going back to the book. So I texted him and I said, Hey, I'm going to write this book. It's not going to be a bachelor bashal, but I, I want to share my side of the story. If you can, if there's anything you can do to help me, you know, he said, Absolutely. Just very short. Like, I mean, he was like, Yeah, you know, I'll do what I can. So long story short, I send it to, I get the book drafted, like the intro, I write it, find a ghostwriter, send it to five, uh, the, the top you know, publishers in New York and I got four no's and I was crying when my, my, uh, my ghostwriter, my, my, you know, she helped me write the book. And then I got a call from Herper Collins and they said, we want you to fly out here. We'll meet you. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to fly out there. That's going to hurt even more if I don't get it. So we did an interview like this, um, over the phone and they said, okay, we're going to offer you a book deal.
1: That's awesome.
2: Yeah. So it was like, I guess the first, my point is never give up because, and then I got the calls from Warner Brothers and I said, you're going to have to call Harper Collins attorney. I mean, I was really the first one to be able to pull it off. And to me that, that feels really good because I felt like I needed to share my side of the story because I just felt so,
0: yeah, you know.
1: What was that like when you're, Having to deal with these legal battles and stuff. I've always wondered this about leads who write books and and high-level players who write books. Obviously, Warner Brothers has some idea of like what you can and can't have in there. And was that a big thing? Is there a lot that didn't make the book because Warner Brothers said you can't have it in there?
2: Um, so I was shocked at how much did stay in there and what had to be taken out. Like the legal vetting of the book was pretty grueling I must have read through it five times their attorney did but like little details like if somebody's not in the public eye like you can't use their full name like learning that kind of stuff um, mm-hmm. uh, certain things details like that but the show secrets was um obviously I said I'd you know that let them read it and then they called and they kind of said like these are some things and they pushed back and said no that's pertinent to the story or why why can't she say that you know so, yeah, there was definitely a little bit of that, but very like small stuff, like changing my parents' house for hometown dates, like setting up that, like things that you'd be like, well, OK, I guess they didn't want that out there. Like little details like that, but not not something that's like a very big detail. Wow. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah. totally.
0: I mean, we had, we did this with our book as well. We had to, you know, do legal passes and be like in our Opinion. Yeah. (laughs) Allegedly. Yeah.
1: Yeah. In our opinion was something that we just basically added to the beginning of every sentence.
0: (laughs) And now we kind of add it to how we talk.
1: I'm
2: so So. proud of you guys. I've listened to the Audible. I'm so proud of you guys for doing that. That was, I will say, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my life is read the book.
0: The audiobook? Yeah. That was a lot harder than I anticipated. (laughs) How do you feel about the world that has grown around The Bachelor? I know, you know... In your time, there were blogs and stuff, but now there's like an industry unto itself: podcasting, Chad and I, etc.
2: You know, I'm not surprised. I think the show has legs, and
1: <laughs> me too. Phenomenon that's like,
2: I it's not going away. I don't see it going away. Um, I, th- I love that it's like turned into this like this game. This is brilliant to me that you've been able to come up with this because it's like wow you're right um I will say like like oh my god I wish they would mix it up a little bit um the romantic in me wishes they would get back to like the winemakers and the you know I wish that they would say like hey no Instagram for a year mm-hmm. after like see what people's true. were you know because I think people have really about me but I, I had no Instagram fame or influencing that wasn't a thing I mean we, we got paid to do events but that was even just a bonus I didn't even know we'd get invited places so I just I I worry about mm-hmm. people's mental health I will say that having been through being the villain and even like Olivia t- talking to her it's really it's not for everyone to get put under the scrutiny and like for me I'm way too sensitive you know, I just wanted to put my head in the sand. So I worry about that for people, just the mental health and like the backlash of the show. And I hope that they have some, that they keep an eye on that. I I would say that.
0: That would be an interesting rule to have no, no social media for a year. I think so too. Like,
2: like, I feel like they need to, at some point, like, I mean, they have to know. But at the same time, they also are like little soldiers promoting the show.
1: Yes. I think the opposite should be done. I think you should be able to have your phone in the show.
2: Oh, I think so too. I mean, that would create a whole other world of problems. Can you imagine?
1: Yes. That would be a very interesting show, I think. If they want (laughs) to update it and bring it into 2022, I think that's the direction to go.
2: I wish I would have brought a phone on the show. They don't ever go through my bags. Looking back, I wish I would have had a secret compartment in my Suitcase where I had a phone off, fully charged, ready to go. And just, boop, boop,
1: boop. <laughs> yeah, smuggling in a phone would be great.
0: What would you have done? <laughs> I would call people
2: every chance I got. <laughs> you know your support system.
1: So, how do you feel about this next season coming up? Getting into some of our final questions here, the double bachelorettes.
2: It's an interesting idea. I really like Susie. I, I I'm sorry, it's not Susie. What's her name? Remind me. Gabby? Rachel? Rachel and Gabby. Yeah. I love I love them both. I think they're great. I think that no matter what, I know Mike said that we're not gonna pin pin them against each other. There's gonna be those teasers that you're like, they did exactly that. I think it's a recipe for that happening. I mean. I feel like it's kind of a ripoff for the girls in the sense that they don't get their like full day in court. Um, But I'll be watching and I can't wait to see the guys that they picked. I think it's also hard for the contestants too.
1: Totally. The game is different.
0: Yeah, you have to have a different strategy.
1: (laughs) You have two first audiences. Did you ever get called for... um Paradise? Did they ever ask you to come on?
0: They did.
2: So, in in the right around the time my book came out, I said, "I I do the next show." You know, just playing nice. Just I really want to get this book out there, and and I think that was appealing. And then I think at the end of the day, they realized it was a um, conflict of interest because they didn't want other contestants to feel like I would write a book about them. And I was glad because I was dating and I wanted to date somebody normal in LA and I was actually kind of just started dating somebody and I was like, well, I might have to do this show. And he was like, like, I I will tell you that like guys that aren't part of the franchise, they're not really into it. Like, you know.
1: Oh my God. That is like, I can't imagine having an opportunity like that. Somebody you're dating is like, I might go to paradise. I would immediately be like, okay, let's do this. Here's how you're going to fucking crush everyone. (laughs)
2: You would kill it. You might be supportive, right? Oh
1: my god, yes!
2: <laughs> I would totally
1: be supportive. I'd help build the strategy. Dream
0: come true. Redeem
2: yeah. <laughs> myself, and I was like, it was part of my thing. I said I would do it. I mean, but luckily I didn't have to. And um,
0: but the, I'm but, shocked they was? didn't put you on stand. <laughs> <laughs>
2: guys that were going on, were calling, and we were. we're I talked to a couple of them, and. It was and girls that were going on were writing me and like strategizing, and that was before people really talked about it. But I definitely was open to
0: it. Mm-hmm. Do you, okay, I have two two more final questions. One, <laughs> uh, you read our book. do you, Is there anything that you feel that we got wrong about the process?
2: I don't think so at all. No, I loved your book. I mean, some of it for me, I was like, You know, like, I think this is a a book for Bachelor fans, especially because it's so smart and there's things that you're like, oh my gosh, like, you know, or people that have never seen the show should definitely read this book. But having been through it, you know, it was like, you know, some of the stuff I already knew, but no, I mean, I think you guys got this spot on and it's such a fun read. I mean, you guys have put a lot of work into this.
1: Yeah, I mean, we oh, thank can't you. thank you enough for reading it, and we're obviously thrilled <laughs> um, that you like it.
2: Thank you for sending it to me. Like I said, I was reading this like they have got to do a game or something. You guys could probably parlay
1: this into some like, gambling. I don't. Wanna... <laughs> yes, <laughs> we'll see what we can do.
0: The new casino. Uh, my other uh, last question was: You are a fan of the show. You've watched other seasons. Do you have a favorite season?
2: Um, let's see. Favorite season i really like ben higgins season i thought that was like the year that it kind of i thought he was really cute i thought i was like oh he's just like he's a cute guy and he just seemed really nice and likable um and that was like he told both girls he loved them um what else did I, who else has yeah. there been? pilot pete was kind of interesting he was just kind of like you know it's like kind of dopey kid um <laughs> You know what I mean? They're like, this isn't going to end well. And like, just <laughs> I like that one. Yeah. I like the villains. I do. I relate to them. And like, even watching Shanae, yeah. like, oh my God, they gassed her up. Like, I think that maybe she drank a lot, you know?
1: Yes, I agree.
2: in some of the interviews, like, I'm like, oh, honey, like, you got overserved, you know? So I feel for her, but I did really enjoy this last season.
1: Yeah, as did we. Yeah. Well, we can't thank you enough again for doing this. Yes. This is uh, beyond a dream come true for us to get to talk to one of the greatest players who's ever lived, really defined the game for a certain period of time.
2: Oh, gosh. Well, thanks for having me. And um, I, th- that's really nice to hear that. <laughs> I feel like old hat. So I'm glad that you guys enjoyed um, enjoyed my work.
0: Oh,
1: my God. <laughs> More than you can possibly imagine
0: huge fans and i'm glad to see that you know despite the villain edit things seem to have turned around you seem to be thriving so that that you makes
2: know, I'm thankful for i will say this to anybody i would not be where i'm at today if it wasn't for the show i wouldn't have met my husband he wouldn't have seen me on instagram he wouldn't have liked my photos
0: did he slide into your dms is that how you met i slid
2: into his yeah <sighs> Wow! I've been liking my photos for like two years and I...
0: Long game.
2: Yeah, we've been together for three years. We have two kids and he wouldn't have known who I was and we wouldn't be together. So in some ways, the show really did change my life for the best.
1: The process does work.
2: It does work. Yes, the process does work. It just took a long long time. Yeah.
1: Well, thank you again for joining us. We can't thank you enough and uh, good luck with everything you're doing now.
0: Where can people find you if they want to follow more Courtney
2: content? Um, I'm on Bug Robertson. I want to change my handle to my Mary name. I don't know if that's a good idea. Chad, maybe we could talk offline, but um, (laughs) yeah.
0: Some (laughs) consulting.
2: Yeah. I'm like, can I, should I? But I'm Bug Robertson and I do real estate. If anyone's looking to move to Arizona, Um, My husband helps me out too. We do that. I do that full time. So market's hot right now, guys. (laughs) That's all I got really. Um, Just being a mom and I do recipes and share my favorite things on Instagram just for kind of chips and giggles.
1: Yeah. Everyone should go follow Courtney Robertson. I mean, she literally is like the Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle, I feel like of our beloved game you know, just happened to be like a couple of years before the real Instagram boom, before Paradise started happening and you started seeing people like Ashley Kennedy going to Paradise and getting a million followers. But I think had you played the game just a few years later, you would have well over a million followers, I think.
2: I know. That seems like a lot of pressure too. I wouldn't want to let the
0: followers
2: (laughs) out. I'd be like, oh, like I already averting posting stuff. So
1: yeah. Well, once again, thanks for joining us and good luck with everything.
2: So much, guys. I'm here if you need anything and I hope you have a great
0: day. Still reeling from this incredible interview with Courtney Robertson-Preciado. I mean, my bucket list is complete now. Clues, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> uh,
1: I still got a certain Nick Vial on that list to interview, oh but the things we learned in this interview were incredible. He
0: won't let you have it.
1: I'm getting closer to him. You heard Courtney, talking about how she interviewed him, right?
0: Yeah, that sounds like you are getting closer for sure. (laughs) No, but thank you, Courtney, so much for coming on the podcast, making our our day, our week, our month, our year. Now I'm just the Friends theme song.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but we sincerely cannot thank you enough. This was an absolute dream come true. And hopefully we can get to talk to you again in the near future. But thanks, everybody, for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this continuation of Gore Girl Summer. We got some other incredible interviews lined up in the very near future. And before we go, as always, what is that Dwa bat?
0: It has been 7,330 days without an Asian bachelor. Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. Please rate this
1: podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then